Welcome to Waxen's World. Sadly, Jackson could not be here for this episode. So I, Nathan, or Shuttle as Jackson calls me, will be hosting today's show. As I am a different host and have different knowledge in a sport Jackson is not as familiar with, I'll be taking this opportunity to talk about the number one sport in the world, the real football, or as us arrogant, uncultured Americans know it, soccer. With soccer riding the wave of coming off the best World Cup to date, I thought it appropriate to talk about the league side of the sport. My favorite league happens to be the best and most competitive league, which is the English Premier League. Being the most popular league in the States, the English Premier League boasts an NBC contract that televises all their games here in America. I'd highly recommend a watch, preferably to Liverpool, which as you listen, you'll figure out why. Without further ado, though, uh, let's get to the Premier League preview. I could not be doing this alone, uh, so I'm thrilled to be joined by none other than the man I shared a bunk with for 10 years, my favorite brother, Alex. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to uh, talk about the Premier League season starting in just a couple of days. So uh, I think it's probably appropriate we start with a uh, little intro into how the Premier League works. And uh, I think you could probably do that justice. Sure. So there are 20 teams in the Premier League, and they have the simplest of scheduling uh, practices, basically. You play each team twice, home and away, and that's it. You get three points for a win, one point for a draw, no points for a loss, obviously. Team with most points at the end of the season wins. But the twist is that the bottom three teams, 18th, 19th, and 20th, all drop out of the Premier League and fall into the second division called the championship. And then the top three teams from the championship move up into the Premier League. So basically keeps all the teams on edge because if you drop down into the lower league, you lose a ton of money, you lose uh, a ton of uh, investment, you lose out on exposure, brand exposure especially. All right, so uh, do you think, let's just start at the relegation since that's kind of what we were talking about. Um, so kind of what we're going to do here is we'll, we'll eventually end with uh, the, our, our top seven teams, um, which top seven go to the Europa League, which, uh, you know, is, it's, that's a huge accomplishment. And then the top four go to the Champions League. So we'll get to that, but we thought it would be appropriate to kind of do um, the bottom three since they are the ones that will be kicked out of the league. And we'll just kind of work our way up from there. Um, so I think we probably agree on the first one. I think it's kind of the unanimous decision. I think there's two teams that we both – I think basically everybody is predicting to go down. Everyone is predicting – for starters, Cardiff City to go down. Yeah. You know, the Welsh team, they are coming up from the championship. They finished second there somehow on a shoestring budget with a defensive, boring style, but they grind out a lot of results, and that's how they ended up getting promoted. That being said, now that they're in the Premier League, I just don't see how they stay up. There's no. just not enough investment. They bring in other championship-type players, not Premier League-type players. Yeah, so they're going to come up for one year, have uh, their their time here, and they're going to move gonna right back down. They're going to have time to sign, but they will go back down. I know oh, yeah. on this one. 
especially if you look at their coach, Neil Warnock, who has been promoted with eight different sides, but he has also been relegated more than any other manager. And then uh, I think the second team we probably agree on is going to be Huddersfield. Agreed. Um, I also had them at my 19th slot. Um, they were the worst team that stayed up last year. I don't know how they didn't go down. They got some crucial results down the stretch, but that is basically the only reason that they stayed up last season. They were had the worst goal differential. They had lost so many games, three and four nil, that it seemed inevitable that they would go down. But they somehow grinded out results against Arsenal, Chelsea, and Man City down the stretch and stayed up. And basically, it was basically a miracle that they stayed up. Yeah, I was I was impressed, but I think uh, that will be short lived this year. They will be going down to the championship league for sure. I think. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I think I differed on mine. I put Brighton in there. Um, I just – I don't see them staying, staying up. Um, yeah, Brighton is one of those sides that – they've got a good manager in Chris Hewton. Um, probably a little underrated, but they are just a stock-boring side. You don't – they look like a championship side at times. For me, I think they score enough goals to stay up. I think they've got Glenn Murray, who last year at 34 somehow scored like 14 <laughs> goals. But uh, I think they've got enough to stay up. I just think there are worse teams, but I can understand the pick there. Yeah. Uh, for me, I went with Watford. I think it is a team that has been flirting with disaster for the last three or four years. They have a new coach every year. They bring in mercenary-type players that, you know, journeymen that – haven't really succeeded at other places, and they bring them in, and they've made it work so far. But this year they bring in uh, Yavi Gracia as their coach, and he was hot garbage at his previous job. And I just – they're a team without direction. And yep. without that, I just think their time is up. Yep, I, I, I agree. I completely understand any of those. It's kind of hard to do that. Um, I mean, is there any other teams that you're thinking of that could have dropped down? I mean, I had – um, I also had I had I mean Southampton I don't think is yeah last they can be there borderline again the relegation battle and they were not prepared to be there they were you know they're a side that everyone thinks should be top half but over the past five seasons or so they've just been raided by mainly my club Liverpool for most of their best players and they haven't replaced that and eventually that bill's going to come due. It's gonna, yeah, I'll catch up. So I also thought they could be in there. Yeah, I think they'll be there. They Burnley. Losing, yeah. Bur- eh, I, I think Burnley know. will have enough. Um, they finished seventh last close. year. And I know their schedule will make it difficult for them to finish in the European spots again. I do, but I think they'll be fine. fine. I think they'll finish fourth. I am close. I am close. Yeah. But yeah, I think that would kind of be the one. Newcastle and Bournemouth, my other ones, I was thinking that could slip down in that race. But other than that, yeah, I think... Cardiff and Huddersfield are almost the unanimous picks. For me, Watford be yours. I can see Brighton, though, too. I think uh, kind of moving up to table, let's do a couple ones to watch. Okay. I think kind of the easy one is going to be Wolverhampton Wolves. Correct. Um, they brought in – I mean, they were they were good in the, the championship last year. Yeah, they ran away with the championship last year. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I they think, spent more money than just about anyone last year. But And then, I mean, they brought in quality signings that – uh, I mean, it's kind of. And the, this is something that's goal. kind of unheard of too. Is that a team that's coming up into the Premier League? Basically, almost every time they're just trying to survive for that first year. This year, 
honestly, Wolves could be one that they could be fighting for a European spot. I think they'll be just a little below that. Um, but they have they bring in Chinese owners who bring in the best Portuguese scout, basically, and he scouts young Portuguese talent. And basically, half the team is Portuguese now. Yeah. Um, and that combined with some good young English talent, they have been able to have a nice possession-based 3-4-3 three, three system um, where they press high on the wings with their wide forwards and they're able to create turnovers and then get in off at the defense. So they'll be a fun one to watch. They bring in some big time players too. They uh, had uh, John Moutinho and uh, uh, no, name is Trombling, but the Portugal keeper. Yeah, so you got, Patricio. Yeah, so you're getting two just quality veteran Portugal players. Again, Portugal. Right. Um, yeah, Raul Jimenez from Benfica comes in. They also bring in a couple Atletico Madrid players, I think, and Johnny, who is a great wing back for them, which is a key position in the in the system that they play. That all that being said, they spend a lot of money bringing in Vinicophobi up top too, so they could shake things up in the European race. I just don't think this is the year. I think they'll have to wait. I think another At least a team, year. Yeah. I think another team that has to wait would be Fulham. They have ended up spending over 100 million pounds this summer uh, by the end of it. They have some quality attacking talent there too, especially with Ryan Sessegnon, who is the an English wonder kid who will be a he's gonna be a world class star. He is his composure in the box is something that very few young players have. I've recognized the talent. I have him on my uh, <laughs> Premier League fantasy team. Yeah. They also have G. Michael Seri that they bring in from uh, Nice and France. He was recruited by Chelsea and some of the other bigger sides. So to short the midfield, you've also got uh, Andre Sherlock coming in. Oh yeah, from Borussia Dortmund. He's a quality attacker. He's had a couple bad seasons, but I still think that's a solid pickup for them. Oh yeah, mid-table finish, probably thirteenth or so, is what I would predict from Fulham. No. I had him. I had him at fourteenth, close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you had any any other one team that kind of? I don't have any other teams. I've got a couple other players to watch. I would look out for uh, Wilfred Zaha from Crystal Palace, who okay. I think is very fun. He is yep. a yeah. Again, another one of my fancy players. So yeah, he is extremely athletic, and he's slowly coming around as a all around quality forward. Yep. So he basically will carry the Crystal Palace team for parts of the season. Their team runs through him as he goes, so they go. So um, he'll be a fun one to watch. I'm trying to think of any other players that I'm thinking of that are not going to be in the top clubs that might be coming. But, yeah, I think that's probably about it. The rest, of, if you're not a seasoned Premier League watcher, I would probably stick to the better teams for when you're first watching out because you're going to want to watch more fluid attacking styles. Um, Probably but Fulham and, and uh, Wolves will be interesting, fun attacking teams to watch that are lower down the table. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say let's just jump into our, our top seven. I think yeah. we probably agree on the seventh because I think the top six are pretty um, – I, I think yeah. pretty easy to put in, in there. So. there are a big six set of teams that is – Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Tottenham. They have they get a bigger cut of all the TV money and the broadcasting rights, and they have bigger backers than most of the other teams as well. So these are the teams that mainly are going to be fighting for the top four positions, which are the Champions League spots, and then the next three positions, five, six, and seven, those go into the Europa League. 
the secondary European competition? So, uh, I mean, I think I'll start out every team that we have or whatever, because I think I probably know a little less about all these teams. Um, so I'll just kind of say my first thoughts, kind of chime in where I need. Yes. Um, but I think for West Ham, I had, I think this is a, a good, they had a good off season. They usually bring in kind of older signings of, I mean, last year where they had Joe Hart, uh, Zavaleta, Javier Hernandez, who they kept, which, they I mean. They Patrice Everett on the books at one oh, yeah. point, who was 35. Like, so, and, and he's an Instagram star. He's not even playing. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. So I think, I think they're, they're bringing in more actual talent that aren't stars past their prime right. um, that Joe Hart and Zavaleta were. Um, and then plus you're getting the new manager in Pellegrini. So I think they'll, they'll be interesting. Pellegrini is a, I mean, he is a Premier League winner. He won with Man City. And he will instill, he will shore up that back line for sure, which they were leaking goals early on, which they sort of got around to it. But that attack, they've spent a ton of money, and they actually look really solid up front. I think that Andre Yamalenko, even though he didn't have the best time when he was at Borussia Dortmund, I think he is still a solid player. Yeah. I think coming off the wing him with Arnautovic, and, and they've got Lanzini coming back eventually once he is done with his ACL or something. I can't remember what his injury was. But, yeah. Um, yeah, they've got some solid attacking talent. And I think with Jack Wilshere in the midfield there, that's where my questions are a little bit. It would be their midfield is being able to distribute up. Uh, Felipe Anderson is a good attacking midfielder, but once again, they've got Mark Noble back there because he's getting older. So um, it'll be interesting to see. They'll be, I can't believe I'm going to say this about a West Ham team, a team that I've never liked, but they're going to be, might be relatively fun to watch this year. Did you hear that, Aaron? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty good. I think after them, you're going to kind of, I think the next six teams, you can kind of group them into twos. I think that kind of separates them, um, just kind of where we think they're going to finish. I, I right. would imagine you're probably going to agree. Yeah, this next three through six is most interesting for me. It's just so hard to pick what is going to happen with how many shakeups have there been, how many signings some teams have made, and the no signings that other teams have made. So it'll be yeah. And I think I think you can group those four teams together. I mean, top two I think separate themselves. I think I kind of had it down to you could group these four together. And then I kind of had them in the two subsets. Okay. Um, just kind of, I think there Arsenal and Chelsea, I, I think you probably agree, fifth and sixth. Right. Um, and I think they're in similar situations, which. Yeah, um, Chelsea, Arsenal, but yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. So I had Arsenal at sixth, Chelsea at fifth. Um, and, uh, or I, I, sorry, I had this flip. So I had Chelsea, Arsenal. Um, I, I think. We'll start with, I'll start with Chelsea since that's who I had. Um, they're getting in the, the new coach and, uh, sorry, the former banker, or banker, banker, not baker, um, which you kind of knew more about yeah, him than he, I did. Yeah, so it's a, kind of a crazy story. He was a, yeah, a banker playing in the amateur leagues below like the ninth division of the Italian league or something. He was playing that while working and then he got into coaching while still banking worked the amateur levels, worked his way up through eight levels of the Italian league up to Serie A, which is the, the Premier League of Italy, basically. And he worked his way on to the second best team in the league, to Napoli. And then he played all this time, even though he was in the lower leagues, he's playing very attacking, aggressive style that lower league sides really don't play. You need high quality players to pull this off. And he did that with some lower league sides, which is, Absolutely incredible that an amateur coach would be able to do this. 
and now he's at Chelsea. And it'll be interesting to see if he's able to bring that offensive possession-based style to what was Antonio Conte's sit-back-and-counter kind of system that they had. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think... There's also the rumor that uh, Sari has requested that they put in a smoking room for him. And it's kind of like the most baller thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that is, that is, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think kind of one of the stories of Chelsea has been um, them bringing in. I think they sh- really strengthen their midfield. Uh, I know you'll agree they may be the best midfield. They might be the best midfield. Um, which in Conte, Jorginho, and uh, I can never pronounce his name. Kovic. 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 Um, yeah. Those three, I think, will be. Yeah, I mean. And Golo Conte is might be the, he's in the conversation for best midfielder in the world. I think he's the he most his, underrated player in the world. Unbelievable World Cup with France. He basically drove. He was the engine of that team. He drove them to victory. Basically, he, so many he picks up possession in the midfield. Is able to pick his head up, dribble maybe, or distribute out to the more flair players that get the attack going. And it's just such an underrated position. He covers so much ground. He is an incredible player that most people just do not appreciate. Mm-hmm. Then, and then they bring in Jorginho from Napoli, along with Sari, who is a pass master. He is a deep-line playmaker, almost a – it's kind of a cliche, but he plays the quarterback role where he sits back and he does short passes, long passes. He averages 100 passes a game, which is unbelievable. That's insane. Which is clearly – I mean, it's it's Pep Guardiola, like, chubby kind of numbers. They are – very few players are able to be the metronome of a team like that, able to dictate the pace of play. Um, and, yeah, I, I was, I was just going to say, I think their midfield is going to be amazing. Um, their defense, I think, is solid. Um, You're right. I mean, it's their. I think it's more their attacking. I, yeah, I think Gary Cahill is on the out. He is too old now. Or I don't even know how old he is, but he's just not good enough. Thirty-two. It's thirty-two. Okay. Yeah. He. He just doesn't have it anymore for me. I think that Rudiger in defense is very solid. I think that Christensen is, is a great prospect, even though he had a lot of mistakes towards the end of last season. I think he will eventually come good. Um, I'm just not sure that this is the season that they will come good. They mm-hmm. also have Aspilicueta, another great defender, but he'll probably play out um, as a right back and then uh, Marcus Alonso as a left back. But he is more of a wing back. So it'll be interesting to see how they fit in with this new system. Yeah, and I, I, I just think their their problem is going to be scoring goals. Put it in the back of the net. You know, the, the thing that you're supposed to do. Yeah. They, I think they had the least amount of goals out of the top six last year. Um, they had a solid defense, but they they don't have a center forward that's able to get them 25 goals a season. So they rely on Eden Hazard to create or goals from the midfield, or I don't know where else they're going to get them. Yeah. William, Pedro are both old. They're not this. They don't have that output that you want from a wide forward into get today's game. That you need to get into the top four. I think they need to bring back uh, Matashahu or whatever. That's why. That too. Mashman. Him too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I, the, uh, Jewish reggae guy. <laughs> that guy. Okay. But I. Yeah, I think they'll probably have to be. Eden Hauser is going to have to have a heck of a season for them to be. Maybe Morata, the striker that they paid a ton of money for last season, will come good. But he was injured, and then he had confidence problems. It's just hard to see. Maybe under new the, the new management, maybe he will come good. But it's 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 unproven for me. He he has never been 
he hasn't had a season yet where you're like, okay, he's a breakout star. This is the he hasn't had that moment yet where you're like, okay, he's arrived. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think the last story for Chelsea will be um, them losing Courtois, bringing in Capa yeah, this is, for the world record signing. This is crazy. Young, unproven kid from uh, Esting. Yeah. yeah, I was just. I, I was shocked. Kind of out of nowhere, no one knows who this kid is, and they paid so much money for him. I know he had a massive release clause in his contract for them to be able to buy him. But to lose Courtois, which I know Courtois had an offseason last year, and I know Courtois kind of is that was a disruptor in the locker room because he's been wanting to leave for a long time. But I just do not trust a – what, is he under 20? I think uh, he's, 21. Yeah, he's very – I mean, 20. I think he's just 20. He had one, like, solid half of the season last year, and now everyone has went crazy for him. And by everyone, I mean Chelsea, and I don't know anyone else. Uh, he's 23. 23. So he's 23. He just looks like a child, but though. very young for a goalkeeper because I mean, goalkeepers don't come into the prime until they're 28, basically. Yeah. Uh, so – yeah, I think uh, – And so much money that you're like – you think they would be able to find a, a better value there and then be able to sell much? Re- and then to spend money on a forward. It's what they needed, and they just – they did some good work, but I just think there are problem areas in their team that they did not address, and that will keep them from reaching Champions League soccer next season. So, yeah, I think we go kind of – it's kind of a little bit of the – um, I mean, new coach, they're going to – well, we'll see how they fit in this year. Right, it's probably the opposite problem, yeah. though, with Arsenal. That's what I was going to – I think Arsenal is the, – they they have plenty of attacking power. Well, it's going to be – their back line that is going to be their the problem. The Arsenal is always what is with that back line. And the story this season is a new manager for the first time in 22 Yeah, that, that's literally what I, I – my in, intro remarks for Arsenal was they are entering the unknown without Venga at the helm – for the first time in 22 years, right. which is that's I mean, insane. It was a great reign. He won three three uh, Premier Leagues. He won seven FA Cups. I think. I mean, it was a good run. He overstayed his welcome. That team needed to have major surgery probably four seasons ago. <laughs> yeah. The year Leicester won it was the year they should have won it, and they didn't. And they didn't. It's reinforced in January, and it's been downhill since then. Basically, as it's been downhill since they won the. Uh, yeah, one with the uh, Invincibles, but yeah, that's not true. Um, but yeah, they bring in this new coach, Unai Emery, who is, he won three Europa League titles with a decent team in Sevilla. They are not, they weren't an elite team. He wins those three titles. He goes to PSG. He wins uh, the French League there. And, but they brought him in because they wanted to have, they wanted to win the European competition because PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, they win the French League every year now because they have a ton of oil money that backs them. <laughs> and they buy the best players in Mbappe and Neymar. And they bring in uh, Unai Emery to PSG, and he doesn't do what he set out to do there. He was supposed to win the Champions League. I know they're a little unlucky in the, his two years there, but he doesn't get the job done when it comes push comes to shove. So eventually, they bring him to Arsenal, and I think it's a... It's a solid managerial pick. They need somebody to come in and to fix that defense. They shipped so many goals. Like, how many goals did they ship last season? 51, I think? Not have that room down. Yeah, 51. They shipped 51 goals last season. It was 13 more than the next top six side. Yes. I mean, you can't finish in the top four shipping that many goals. Yeah, we yeah. know you can score. They've got Aubameyang. They've got Ozil. They've got Lacazette. They've got Mkhitaryan. They've got Iwobi solid. Like, they've got a tap. And Aaron Ramsey chips in with goals from the midfield. 
The problem is they don't have the legs in midfield. They don't have the uh, the uh, defensive sh- strategy, basically, to keep up. Yep, they're going to be... They drop too many points to too many lesser sides, and they don't compete in the big games either. It's yeah. This I... is why this new coach will be interesting. They bring in Lucas Carrera from Sampdoria, who I think will be... He's the defensive midfielder they needed five years ago, but better late than never, I guess. But <laughs> I think he will eventually turn into a good player, but he's very young, too. I think he's 23, 24. So maybe 22. Uh, but he will eventually come good. But I'm not convinced by the rest of that midfield. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I mean, I just I, – I was more – I think they have good attacking midfielders. Like, like ones that can get forward. They, you, need, yeah. you need more people Crazy, that are going to yeah. be kind of playing. Horses. Yeah, and I just don't see them having that. I think um, – who's the, the guy they got rid of? Um, I can't think of his name. Uh, Wilshire, he was kind of he was kind of a little bit of a workhorse. Yeah, the problem is this is what Arsenal's problem has always been is they're two well, two British midfielders, I say, since Aaron Ramsey's Welsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, are he Wilshire and Ramsey are con- were constantly injured, so they finally get rid of Ra- uh, Wilshire, which I think is okay. I just don't know where the energy in the midfield comes from. I guess Carrera, but. He's going to be playing alongside who? Jaka in midfield? I don't know what Jaka I mean, is. I don't not understand energy that at all. I don't understand that play. Which I, I, I mean, I love him on Arsenal because it helps Liverpool, but you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. But yeah, and I just think. And Aaron Ramsey is constantly getting injured. I just don't see. I, I think they strengthened in some places. Keeper. I think they, they brought in a new keeper. Yeah, uh, Leno. Yeah. Yeah, Burns Leno, who I think will be a solid keeper for years to come. But I don't, I don't think it's. Back line in front of him is good at all. Exactly. What do you think about uh, Socrates? I just he's uh, he's boring to me. Socrates Papastopoulos, <laughs> the, the Greek. He's, he's not consistent. He is a. Bayern didn't like him, or no? Is he at was he Dorman? Dorman yeah, so didn't he, like him. He's, he's a, a player that looks good on a fantasy team. He gets a lot of tackles. He gets a lot of interceptions. He is always shaky at the back, and they're always just like. At any moment, he could be out of position. He could ship a goal, and that's kind of what happened to Dortmund last season in the German league. And you're bringing in a defender who doesn't defend that well. Is my one thing is what I would say. And I don't think they addressed all the problems that they had defensively. They got rid of Mertesacker and a couple other center backs. They got, they shipped out Calum uh, Chambers on loan. I don't know who's playing in that defense. So. That'll I mean, be interesting. That's why I had them just below Chelsea. I think Chelsea will be. I know you put Arsenal above Chelsea, but I have because of the goals, I assume. But I have yes. them just below Chelsea. I think you have the defensive mindset. I was the. If you can score goals, you can win games. But <laughs> right. it, it, it'll be. I think those two will be interesting. Arsenal had 13 losses last season. They had 19 wins, 11 draws, 13 losses, I think. I don't know that up, but <laughs> what was it? It was. 19 wins, 6 draws, 13 losses. 13 losses. Yeah, 13. Yeah, I mean, that's a that is a, that's a mid-table kind of kind of stat right there. Especially when you want to be top top trying to be top yeah. four. Right. Speaking of the top four, uh, fourth, I'm gonna, I had uh, Man United. There you go. And uh, so I, I – They finished second last season. The most the, – Under I think the radar. They, they overachieved. Yeah. They overachieved second. They're just – and they have a lot of uh, lot of internal issues, especially with 
Uh, Jose Mourinho, which speaking of him, I guess I can kind of, uh, I know one of the things we want to talk about was first manager to get sacked. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he'll get sacked. I think he's leaving or something. Something's going to happen. He will not be their coach this time like next year. He doesn't year. want to be there. He's yeah. like constantly criticizing his own players. It's he's that third year. It's that third year. He gets that third year itch. He's got to get out of there. And so I he think did it at Chelsea. He did it at Inter. He did it at Real Madrid. It's the weirdest thing where he eventually becomes disillusioned with the project and then he tries to move on to something else. So, I, I mean, my other, my other one I had that this is going to shock you for manager that will be gone is I had Pochettino at Tottenham, who oh. I have them a third. I, I say he will not be their coach this time next year. You think you're going to fire him or what? No, nah, no, nah, he will leave. I think uh, – you think? think? I think Real Madrid is dying to have him, and I think they should be. I yeah, think so he's a great coach. Spain's coach as their new coach. And yeah. I'm not sold on him. I'm not either. So, I, mean, I, I think if Real Madrid has a bad year, they're going to be looking for somebody. He's a man with a vision. I'll give him credit there. And I'm just saying, I don't, I don't. I guess we can get to there we'll in a see. second, but back to United, yeah. but because that's a whole other can of worms to open up there. But yeah, I think I think United for me, what sums them up for me is they are just very talented, but they don't they don't have an identity. I think you're you'll get the top four. They all have an identity. Um, what well, comes down they, to manager, right? I mean, yeah. they have a project in place there. They have a vision. Jose Mourinho is not a guy that's a vision. He's a guy that comes in and takes your vision, turns you defensively sound, and then like makes you good against, uh, makes you hard to beat against the best teams, and then you win the league. Right. I mean, even I thought they're. I don't even think they're. I think he's like, trying that's to. A strategy, yeah. Right? <laughs> I don't think their defense is anything impressive to me. Which kind of. Yeah, I thought yeah. they were going to bring somebody in, and they were bailed out last year. I mean, David Gea was worth fifteen points last season. I mean, That's, from a keeper, that is crazy. They would have finished outside the top four if they would have had. See, a normal goalkeeper can save you maybe eight to ten points. You save the fifteen, they drop down six points. They you probably barely still make the Champions League, but who knows? Maybe if they have a below average keeper with that defense, I don't know. Maybe they're not that defensively sound under Jose Mourinho, but they do. They've got so much attacking talent. They've got a giant wage bill, and you wonder how he gets so little out of so much talent. Yeah, I thought that was one of the. Um, That's gotta be the style. One, one of the things for me is that um, for any of you listeners that you know aren't familiar with soccer as much, Man United is the richest team in the world. Um, they not just in right, soccer and yeah. all and of sports. Say, they were the biggest club in the world. They, yeah, are, they, they have the biggest brand. More than the Yankees, more than the Red Sox, more than the Cowboys, like anybody Lakers, you can think of. I mean, Lakers, you know, I mean, any team. They are the biggest, and I mean. I really just feel like their philosophy at this point has been for the past what, five years is just we have a lot of money we're going to throw it exactly. at him. He's a really good player. I'll just yeah. drop a ton of 90, 90 million on Pogba. Yeah, sure. We'll do that. I know Pogba's a great player but you haven't gotten the best at him. Same with Lukaku. I think he had a good season. And I think they, they also have Martial. a lot of young talent. Yeah, Martial and Rashford are the two that kind of stand out to me as young talent that they're just so underused. They're so good and I mean, I think I, I mean, thought pacey wingers that you would think he would find a place for them in, in his side, and he just has not. They haven't been consistently played, so they'll be interesting. And they bring in Fred this year, so I think yeah, they bring in Fred, which is a good pickup. I think he is a he's a good box to box midfielder. I still think there's questions there. Matic is getting older. Pogba still hasn't fulfilled his potential. I think maybe he'll be the turning point for that season. That's why I still have him finishing third, just because I think that. With Lukaku, with Pogba, they'll have enough goals. But if they, if 
Jose Mourinho has one of his traditional blow-ups that he has before he leaves the club. He doesn't ever leave on a high. He leaves by blowing up everything as he walks out. And I will say, um, I mean, this would be my last comment on me and you, and we'll move on, is I think that blow-up, I think we're already seeing the start of it in the preseason. They, after one of their games, they lose 4-1. He's blaming the players. He literally says that these are not the players that are on my team. These are not the players I'm going to play during the season. You can't say that about your youngsters that – they're fighting with hope to try to get on that first team. When you say they're not going to make it at all, that that's Did you can't do that. Uh, he said something about how it wasn't worth it for the American fans to come out and watch his team play or something. I, I, I feel like at owners, you have to, to be the mad. Fans come out and pay their money to watch your team play. It's your team. If they're not worth watching, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah. So I think Jose yeah, Mourinho. Interesting when watching that happen. Yep, they will be fun side. And it's next, from, uh, one crisis to another. Yeah, next. <laughs> Next for me is uh, Pochettino's uh, Tottenham Hotspurs, which I think the headline for me that I put is no new signings. No, first team in the Premier League history to have no new signings. Yeah, nothing, nothing. I mean, there were a couple rumors. That was about it. And yeah. But nothing panned out. Like, even the rumors, none of them felt like any of them were ever going to happen. And it makes you wonder, was there ever money to spend? You know they just spent £100 million in their new stadium. So I assume that's where all that money is. But they have good players that they're trying to sell that could make them a boatload of money to reinvest in their squad, and they didn't get rid of them. And Toby Alvarado in defense, you have Danny Rose in defense. Um, you got a few other players there that get – I don't know how uh, Sissoko still gets in that team, yeah. but that player is I, – I mean, they spent 30 mil on that player. I don't understand how. I, um, think, I think they have they – have But, a, yeah, this season. Solid, solid starters. It's just their depth for me is what's in question. I mean – well, you, got, you know, they've got top four depth. They just don't have contending depth. And is that okay with them? Are they okay being just a top four side? And I think that, that was another question that was posed is you get – because Pochettino has got them in the top three the past three years. Mm-hmm. When is the ownership – when are the fans going to start getting fed up with just top three? Right. I mean, top three is hard. Don't get me wrong, especially right. on – he does not have the biggest budget. They've got a, a group of some world-class players at Harry Kane, Deli Alley. They've got uh, Huming Son, Erickson. I mean, these are great players, and if they don't capitalize now, they're going to end up leaving that team. So yeah, they, they need to reinvest they, to make the most of their limited window that they have. Because I think, I think you're going to see and they Harry, Harry Kane will probably be gone soon. Maybe I, I, I hope so. He did just sign a new contract, so a five-year deal. So I mean, I hope he stays. I really do. I yeah. hope he stays. No, it's good to see him having that hometown kid that comes through, and that is the one thing for me. I will think they finish fourth, and, and mainly due to Hurricane FC, basically. So, and yeah, yeah, I know you had. Uh, you probably is that who you're going to have as your top scorer. I do have, yeah. I've got Harry Kane being my uh, Golden Boot winner by the end of the season. I think, you know, he has steadily in- pick. He increased every single season. And it is 30 goals, basically, is what it was on last season. He was injured for like six games, I think, too. So he's just a consistent goal scorer. He's the safest pick for me for top goal scorer of the year. I didn't go safe. <laughs> I went with my heart. <laughs> but uh, heart, speaking of my heart, we'll go with our. Our next and pick, second our last place. two here, and uh, my heart, my heart wanted to put him first. My heart loves this team, but I, my head puts him second. That's my Liverpool Reds, and uh, I am, I have never been so excited going into a season. Uh, I just think 
Yeah, they're so looking good. So Liverpool made a title run in 2013-14, but it was kind of out of nowhere. No one really expected it to happen. They weren't in the Champions. They finished like eighth the season before, and they made a run at it. This year, it feels like there's some real hype behind it, and it's mainly due to this massive transfer window after a a crazy Champions League run last year. They had a solid season in the Premier League. But the Champions League is where most of the uh, most of their focus was last year, especially after they made it out the group stage. And I, I think Klopp is a huge, just he, he is an amazing coach in, when it comes to the knockouts. To one to one off games, he you just, know, yeah, he knows what he's he doing. He gets his players up, especially for the home in the knockout rounds of the Champions League. It's a home and away, and then the goal, the total goals, the team with the best total goal aggregate goes through. And when Liverpool has a home fixture, he is. He knows how to get them up, and they will shell shock you with how many goals they can score on you in quick succession. The high press that no one else can cope with. And I've seen a uh, – I should probably throw this one in here also for you people that may not watch a lot of soccer. I think the Champions League is another good place to start. Um, you get the best teams from throughout all of Europe. So you get four from England, uh, four from Spain – Three from Germany. Three from Germany. Three yeah. from Germany. Four from Italy. Three from France. Yeah. Something like that, and then scattered one or two yeah, from other countries. Two from the Netherlands. One from Scotland. And- but it's kind of like the World Cup in that um, you start out with group play. From there, you get two teams that move out, um, and then you have knockout stages until you get to the final. And then the last one is just one game, um, and it's you know winner take all. And so it's it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah, it is the best of the best teams to watch. If you want to watch the, if you want to watch the best teams play each other, it is. There's nothing else like it. Yeah. Even when you get into the later World Cup games, it's still not the same because those guys don't play with each other all year. The club teams they play with each other for ten months out of the year, so they know each other inside the chemistry, just on another level. And so mm-hmm. the play is taken up a notch, especially offensively as compared to, even though there were a lot of goal scorers at the World Cup this year, I mean, it just doesn't compare to what happens in the Champions League. I think we're going to do, um, so for Liverpool, um, I actually, my golden boot is actually uh, Salah. You know, I, I had to go with the homer pick, but uh, I mean, for me, it was just, I thought they have a lot of pieces around them, and they'll be giving him the ball, and he knows how to get in the box and score. And last year was the breakout of Klopp's attacking style, I would say. It was the culmination of three years of work, bringing in uh, Firmino, Mane, and Salah, which are three amazing talents, and forming them into one cohesive unit going forward. And then this summer, he has done, he covered all his bases that he wanted to at the beginning. We needed a goalkeeper, uh, we needed a defensive midfielder, we needed a box-to-box midfielder. And we needed a little bit of depth off the bench, and we got that in Chicago. So we bring in Fabinho for the defensive midfielder position. That will eventually take over for Henderson, and not even this season for points. And then he's got bringing Natty Keita, who's right. going to be an amazing box box. I have player. him as like one of my – I just put him down as like a player to watch just because right. I think he will be very important and very vital to the Liverpool. Yeah, he's that guy who's going to be able to string the midfield into the attack. So mm-hmm. carry the ball once we get the turnover to immediately release Firmino up the middle, Mane down the side, Salah over the top. That's what be, he's able to do. It's going to be beautiful to watch. Yeah. But, uh, and the, other thing, the depth that Liverpool have now, they've got basically two players at most positions, center back and left back, I would say would be the two. That the two. Maybe attacking midfielder, maybe one, of, maybe one more attacker. Left back. Left back and center back were the reason I have them finishing second. Right. 
behind none other than Man City. Which but, I guess we can move on because I, I could talk about Liverpool and things. Same, same. But, uh, I mean, I, I just think Man City is the easy pick. I mean, their depth is insane. I think the only way they lose the Premier League this year is if they focus more in the Champions League and somehow Liverpool can sneak in there. Look at some of their stats from last year. They score 100 points, a record. They score 106 goals, a record. They have 32 wins, a record. I mean, it is 79 goal differential. They scored 79 goals, 79 more goals than the opposition last year. It is that is 79 more goals than they like conceded. So that is insane. I don't. And they're just their depth is just their attack. They have the best young talent at. Almost every position going forward. They have Kevin De Bruyne in midfield. They've got Leroy Sané, Raheem Sterling, and Gabriel Jesus up front. That not including the already world-class players in David Silva and Aguero. And then going into the defense, they've got players that can pass it out of the back. They've got excellent uh, fullbacks in Kyle Walker, Fabian Delph, Mendy. I mean, there's just so many. They're all international superstars, and it is Going to be a team that's going to be hard. They could be a dynasty, yep. which is the scary part. I that think, being said, I, I just don't see them scoring 100 points again, which is – I think they will score 95. They'll be in the 90s again. I think – and I think Liverpool may be able to close the gap, but I think they're – I mean, the one thing the one thing that I thought was insane looking at them was they have 10 defenders listed on their roster. They play nine of the 10. Yeah. Like that, that depth is just unheard of. Oh, yeah. No, so is. they are built to be able, because they'll be probably in what? They're going to be fighting on every Champions field. League, FA Cup, Premier League. And the uh, League and Cup. And the league, league. Yeah. Now. So they'll have four, but they'll be fine. Their depth is just stupid. Yeah, they bring in backups, and they're like, oh, he's a Marvis. player. That can play. Yeah, they bring in Marvis this year, who was player of the season for Leicester three years ago. And they bring him in as a backup. <laughs> they are just – it is a wealth of talent. They spent – you know what? They spent more money than anyone else has, but they've also spent it well. You know, they bring in Pep Guardiola, the best coach in the world, and they build the academy, and they bring in players that buy into his system, and then they're able to just to pump out a consistent line of talent mm-hmm. and produce world-class players, and it showed last year on the pitch for the first time. So I think it'll be a fun season to watch. Yep. Um, I kind of want to end it on – since we kind of finished all that – on just – I'll just pose this of what do you think um, – why, why do you think Americans or somebody that's not really into soccer, what – first of all, what do you think makes soccer beautiful and why you watch it and why they should and like – especially the English Premier League. Well, soccer is one of the sports that the more you watch it, the more you appreciate it. I mean, for me too, I got into it like every other dude in America by playing FIFA on my freshman year of college. You know, when I, back in was it 2010, 2011, and I started – I picked one team. I started playing with Liverpool and FIFA. I started watching them. And you start watching them and you see the nuances of the game and you start being able to understand what's going on. The other part too is it doesn't – if you're watching the Premier League, it doesn't conflict with other American sports. You wake up hungover on Saturday or Sunday. You make yourself a hungover breakfast. You make yourself an egg sandwich or whatever. You go, you lay down, and you turn on soccer all morning, and you doze off during uh, when it's not your team playing during a goal zone, or you you get real, real into it when it's your team. It is just a – and the other part about too is it goes on for 10 months. It's all year. It's constant. It is just – it's pure entertainment. It is – there are the storylines, the, the drama that happens is – incomparable to basically any American sport. 
it goes on for the entire year, whereas American sports go on for what, a couple months? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, one of my recommendations would be pick a team. It doesn't necessarily, I mean, if you go for one of the top teams, you know, I'll, I'll make fun of you. Or I mean, I got lucky. Funny. When I started rooting for Liverpool, they were an eighth place team. They had history at that point. They were basically one of the, I mean, they were the Dallas Cowboys at that time. Or maybe, maybe that's bad. They, you know, they hadn't won. The Nerd Aim. Exactly. I mean, Nerd Aim's exactly. all history and they haven't done anything. Yeah, the heartbreak team. Yeah. I mean, they are a team that has not won in over 20 years. But, you know, you just keep watching them. And eventually, you might be rewarded for your loyalty that eventually will be good. And, I mean, I think, I think Liverpool is the most fun team to watch. They're exciting. They really are. But, like, the two up-and-coming teams that I think would be fun for a person that doesn't follow soccer yet to kind of follow are Wolverhampton Wolves and Fulham. I think they're yeah. both. We talk about them as the teams to watch. Those would be two good teams yeah. to kind of follow. Two interesting teams. Also, I mean, I'll give props for us, too. I think Tottenham is a fun team to watch under Pochettino. Our father Young likes talent. them, yeah. so we can't knock Unfortunately, them. but, yeah, um, I think Tottenham's fun to watch. As much as Arsenal can be fun to watch. I mean, these are – got cousins wanna, yeah. are like Chelsea, so, I mean, disgusting, they're – Disgusting, but – Yeah. I mean, I, you know, pick your team, follow them. Um, and I think I mean, we're both fans of American football. I love college football. Oh, yeah. I love the NFL. I, Everybody knows I'm a big nerd. I love football. college basketball. I, March that Madness too. is my favorite time of year. And I like the NFL. And I watch the Colts too. But, and uh, the Pacers, I guess, is what I'm missing. But it's just something else to add. You don't need to pick your sports based off that. And the last two things I'll say why soccer is the best, the fans. Fans are amazing. They're singing, chanting the whole game. It's kind of like the college atmosphere of, you know, a football or basketball. But I think it's different in England. Uh, I don't know. There's something about it, especially when you get the big games. Well, and it's, more, it's, it's really grounded because these clubs are 100 – I mean, some of them are 150 years old, and they've been in these communities for so long, and it means something to those people that go to the games. And they – there's no artificial NBA soundtrack in the background and defense or anything. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's fans singing. Yeah. And it's fans getting up and the fans create the atmosphere. And when you can, it's sometimes it's hard to create a pure atmosphere, but when you do, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah. Just the human power of it. And the, the last reason why, and I say, since uh, they have that NBC contract, if you watch any game, any soccer game, they have the best announcers, especially the English Premier League. You get these Irish or English guys that have beautiful accents that us American, we sound like hicks. We can appreciate them. And they just come up with sayings that you're just like, that doesn't, okay, that works. works. <laughs> like, I, and it, it's just, it's fun. It's it's fun to listen to. Um, I guess any any closing remarks? No, I think I'm just so excited for the season to start. I enjoyed the World Cup, but there's just nothing like a Premier League season. Yep, I agree. Saturday and Sunday morning, my friend. I agree. Well, we special thanks to you for coming on. I, I oh, do appreciate it. it. Uh, lastly, thanks to you, the listener, for listening to Waxen's World, which is affiliated with the Nailed Shut podcast channel for the everyday person discussing topics like sports, politics, and pop culture. Follow Shut It Down on Twitter for all updates and the – Nail it shut, family. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you for staying to the end.
The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.